from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, and we thank you so much for tuning in. Whether you're listening on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt, or you're watching on Facebook Live here on facebook.com backslash live now dt, we appreciate you taking some time with us every Monday through Friday from that beautiful 9 a.m. hour all the way to 11 a.m. Eastern Time right here for free on internet streaming TV and internet streaming radio. You know that we're inside the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, hanging out with you and having some fun. And on today's broadcast, inside of Mon Pa's Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory's What's Poppin', first thing up here, speaking of poppin', is Papa Joe. Papa Joe is joining us with Papa Joe's Picks. It is week seven. Hard to believe here it is week seven of college football. is week six of the NFL. And we'll be talking about college and pro football, the Jaguars, the SEC, the remaining unbeaten collegiate teams, as well as so much more coming up here on today's broadcast. So college and pro football talk, pigskin talk here this morning with Papa Joe. And then in the second hour of the broadcast, we will start off hour number two at 10 a.m. Eastern time with Rob Drummond. Rob Drummond, obviously one of my closest friends, also a former Syracuse running back. He'll be joining the show to give his take on the team, the state of the team, and from his experience of being a player, just coming out of a bye week and what that means and how you kind of get ready and get back to it and get back in the swing of things and the fact that Syracuse has an early week game here. So coming out of the bye week, they don't get a full 13 days and don't have you know a full couple weeks in between. They're playing on Thursday night, tonight on October 10th at 8 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN. They're on the road and they will be at the NC State Wolfpack in Raleigh, North Carolina. So with that being said, we'll get into that in hour number two, and then we'll talk about the matchup itself as you see the helmets, Syracuse and NC State. So all of that's coming up for you today. Plenty of college and pro football talk. We appreciate you being here this Thursday morning, and we thank you so much for hanging out here with us on the airwaves. With that being said, PJ's on the broadcast. Mr. Papa Joe, how are we doing? Good morning, Daniel. Everything's fine down here. Beautiful. How's how's the weather? What's the, what's the weather right now, dare uh, I ask actually, it? Actually, it's kind of it's balmy. Not going to be quite as hot today. It's probably going to be in the low 80s. And uh, wind, a lot of wind. Kids are out there surfing, having a ball. My cats are chasing around everything on the pool patio, so they're having fun. You poor thing. It's only going to be in the 80s today. I think for us it's going to be, you know what, let me check. I want to... I want to be as accurate as possible. So our weather today, oh, I was right. It is currently 45, and, oh. to, <laughs> and today's high will be 65. So 45, oh, my God. So our high today will be your low tonight, so to speak. Oh, so, geez. Yeah. So I got to gotta run my way down to Florida, which you know I'll be doing very soon here. That's right. So we're here with Papa Joe this morning and every Thursday morning for the first hour of the broadcast talking about the pigskin you said you got a lot of thoughts on the jacksonville jaguars so i think it's only fair 
for us to start on those Jags. What What's your take on Jacksonville? I know you, you had some things you wanted to share this morning, so what's up? Well, it, it they are they're really making headway, and uh, as you know, uh, I have a, a corporate background, and when you're in situations like that, you have to make serious decisions along the way. A lot of them financial, and I'm I'm looking at what Minshew is doing, and I'm looking at the way Marone is looking, and I'm looking at the way Coughlin's looking, and I'm thinking, this kid ain't going anywhere. So yeah. I'm I'm saying to myself, self, if I had to make a major financial decision, I think I would find a way to gently buy out Nick Foles or, you know, have him. There's no way. The kid keeps going the way he's doing. There's no way that Nick can get the job back. I mean, I know it's not fair because he was uh, he was hurt. He, he couldn't play because he was hurt, not because he's not any good. He certainly is good. Uh, and, and the way this kid thinks and moves and reacts and he, he's just a marvel to watch and he's he's fun to watch and i think the country is is finally getting uh getting out to that down here everything is Minshew everywhere you got mustaches everywhere <laughs> yeah. headbands everywhere you know it's just a scream yeah and uh you know that when you read the paper or read the internet locally here and you're, re- you're reading about him and not about jalen ramsey you know you got something good so you know, I hope I hope he keeps going. He's he's playing a, a, against New Orleans this weekend, and you know New Orleans doesn't have the best defense. So I'm I'm looking for some points to be scored. Um, and our our defense to wake up a little bit. They were they were embarrassed last week. Uh, McCaffrey certainly put on a show. He's man, he's one of the best, quickest little guys I've ever seen. He goes back to Barry Sanders. He's got moves like Barry. Uh, Gosh, he's he's quick and he's fast. Uh, you know, once he, he broke through the line of scrimmage at one time, and the, the the Jaguar defensive backs were so startled that they couldn't catch up to him. And even if they did try running, which they were, they weren't going to catch him. So it, the Jaguars are, are doing better. I'm I'm thinking that uh, the powers to be, including Mr. Khan, uh, got some big decisions coming up if Minshaw keeps doing what he's doing, especially if they win. Well, yeah, and that's and that's the thing. And where we sit right now is the fact of the matter is that the Jacksonville Jaguars are playing well. They're obviously playing with someone who has leadership. He's had an opportunity to have a comeback victory on the road at the Texans, and you know they didn't get the two point conversion from Leonard Fournette, but he led them down on that drive to have a game winning drive. And then uh, on the road at Denver, he had a game winning drive, won the game twenty six to twenty four, and then in this game fought to get the team back and got the team all the way down the field and had two shots at the end zone toward the end. So this is a guy who is a rookie, sixth-round draft pick, a forgotten man by some that has put had, has put the Jacksonville Jaguars in an opportunity to win the game at the end of the game three times this season in, you know, in, the, in the first few weeks of play. First, first five weeks of play, he's put them in an opportunity to have three game-winning drives and like I said, out, you know they went for two, so that one's not his fault at Houston. He wins against the Broncos, and he takes two shots at the end zone as time expires on the roads uh, most recently here at Carolina. So, I mean, this is a guy that's not only playing well, but he's setting them up at the end of the game to always be in it. And I think that's something that we're seeing with the Jaguars that we haven't seen in a while is that they play to the final whistle, and they have not given up on any of these games. And that has to do with his leadership, I'm sure. 
Ah, that's exactly right. Very well stated. Uh, I know he's going to lose one of his uh, young guns, though. Uh, it's tough to see O'Shaughnessy go down like that. Uh, but I think they got a couple, uh, a couple other tight ends that could that could step in there and uh, and catch some balls. He he it impresses me with the way he thinks, how fast he thinks. He processes information quickly. And when you got four seconds to throw the ball, and you're bouncing around back there, and you're looking left and right in between, and you're trying to figure out who's going to nail your behind, he he just has that. I mean, it it it's something that you. You know, it's innate. I mean, he just can't teach that. I mean, he just has it. And uh, I, I hope he keeps going. I hope he doesn't get hurt. I hope someone doesn't be stupid and knock his knee out or something like that. But I'm excited to watch him play. And I, I haven't said that for a while with the Jaguars because we were stuck with Bortles, even though I was in Bortles' uh, corner right up until he left. So, yeah. But this, this guy uh, this guy is it. And as I stated before, they, they got some tough decisions. I'm sure that Foles has come along well with his rehab, and he's watching things. Uh, I'm sure he's probably even uh, sitting in on some meetings. I haven't seen him, though. So he's, you know, there, there's, there's Jaguars got good problems, which is to choose a quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you pay a quarterback four years, $88 million, could be upwards of $100 million. Then you get a guy for peanuts on the dollar with Gardner Minshew. So you got two guys really for the price of one. And you're in a situation right now where, you know, Nick Foles is supposed to be your guy, but Gardner Minshew's filling in extremely well. And, and you bring up, you know, you bring up a good problem that they have, which is where do they go from here? You know, do they do they even consider keeping, you know, keeping Nick Foles on the roster? You know, and, 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 and how do you handle that? Because he costs so much money and you have a guy that's doing his job, you have a guy that's carrying his weight and getting it done. So, you know, do you even think about this? Do you even consider this opportunity, or do you just let him go? I mean, I know you talked about the fact that they got to find a way to amicably, you know, move him forward, but do you consider keeping him? Do you find a way to keep Nick Foles? I mean, how, how do you handle a situation where you've paid this guy so much money, you've You've already dedicated <clears throat> so much to him, but the reality of it all is you're in a situation right now where your quarterback that you have under center is a guy that you can't afford to lose on the field and you can't afford to lose in public relations. Well, that's that's true. Uh, you know, it borders, it borders on a financial decision. If I'm not mistaken, I think that Foles is guaranteed $50 million. So now you're down to uh, not an emotional decision, but a financial decision. Yeah. Uh, it, it, if do you, do you let him go and eat the fifty million dollars, or you keep him on the roster and uh, uh, maybe if the kid gets hurt or something, he comes steps in. You know, I, I'm sure I'm sure they won't release him uh, uh, because it's just going to cost too much money. So they're going to have to, you know, pick his brain and use him uh, sort of like as a as a sub quarterback to help. To help Minshew, but yeah. Minshew, Minshew, uh, as I stated before, he, he he processes information so quickly, uh, even quicker than Foles. And Foles isn't the quickest guy, but you know he's got a heck of a head on his shoulders. But this this kid's got this kid's got it. So you know, good luck to them. Yeah, it's uh, it's a great pro, it's a great problem to have. But you know, let's see what he does against uh, New Orleans this weekend, and uh, we'll go from there. I think the Jaguars defense should be hand should be able to handle. Uh, uh, Teddy Bridgewater of, of uh, New Orleans. I think they should be be able to handle him okay, and I think they win the game uh, today this week, and I think they win it rather easily too. 
Well, you know, and you'd like to think that they can <clears throat> handle it, but Alvin Kamara's on the other end of this thing, and they've already given up so much to Christian McCaffrey, but Christian McCaffrey, with all due respect, is one of the best in the game right now. Uh, Nick Foles' contract, a four-year deal, $88 million, with the $50 million, as Papa Joe said here this morning in Papa Joe's Picks on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora from inside the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios. It is, in fact, $50 million guaranteed. It can reach up to $102 million with incentives. So that's what we're sitting on right now is, you know, out of the 102, you really just cut it in half and say, okay, what do you do with the 50 million? He obviously got something off the jump. And now it's, you know, what do you do with the rest of the money that's left on there? And so you're really looking to take the 50 million that's guaranteed and figure out how to ship that. You're not trying to ship $102 million. You're trying to ship $50 million or whatever's left of the $50 million from what he's already received. So, you know, that's that's something to look at that maybe makes the pill a little bit easier to swallow. The tough thing is the fact that, you know, he didn't even get five seconds as the quarterback of the Jaguars and he got replaced. And I think the thing that it shows you is how quickly you can be replaced in this job and, and just how tough it is and how much, I mean, we talk about how much money these players make and you know, money hand over fist, but at the same time, they are in one of the most high-octane, ruthless jobs in the world because you're gone for five seconds and you might not get your job back for the rest of your career. That's true, and uh, look at Carolina's facing that same situation. I've never been a Cam Newton fan because I, I didn't like the way uh, the, what, what he was doing when he was at the University of Florida for a while before they threw him out. Yeah. Uh, uh, and this kid, this Allen kid, he's, he's, he's got the same temperament that Minshew does. I mean, he's unflappable. He's making the plays. He's scoring. Of course, he's got McCaffrey about there, but still he's throwing the ball and making making good reads. So, you know, Carolina may have the same situation. So if Newton can't be 100%, you keep his behind on the, on the bench and let the kid go. And if we look at this, and you're right, Kyle Allen is there and <clears throat> from Houston, and Kyle Allen – is backed up by Will Greer West of West Virginia, who offers some more. And the irony of it all is Cam Newton was bounced out of Florida, and so was Will Greer. So, you know, and they're both on the same team. But if we go back and look at Gardner Minshew's stats of this season, he came in in that first game, a loss to Kansas City at home. He had two touchdowns, one interception. He was 22 of 25, so 88% completion percentage. Then 69.7, 66.7, 57.6, 59.3. And he has attempted around, if not more, than 30 attempts in every every game except for the first game. 33 attempts, then 30, then 33, then 44 most recently. He has thrown nine touchdowns to one interception in five weeks. The last three weeks, he's had two touchdowns, no picks in each of the last three weeks. He has not thrown an interception in these last four weeks combined here. He's thrown seven touchdowns to no interceptions. The only interception was against Kansas City in his first ever start as a rookie in the NFL. So nine touchdowns, no interception, or nine touchdowns, one interception, almost 70% completion percentage overall, and almost 1,300 yards passing, I would say is pretty good for a sixth-round pick. It is, it is. Uh, but he does have one problem, and that's fumbling the ball. 
uh, you can't turn it over in this league. It's, it's, it's you know you're you're going to pay if you turn it over. So I know he's back there running around. He's doing he doesn't scramble. I can't say he's scrambling, but he yeah. he does move around a lot on the pocket. And sometimes he's getting hit from the side or the behind. And he's he's going to take her take better care of the ball. Uh, just because he's only had one interception doesn't mean he's not turning the ball over because he is. So he's got to work on that. I don't know how you do that, but. Maybe get some of that sticky stuff and put it on your fingers <laughs> and, and to keep, and keep hold of the ball uh, because he's, he can't turn the ball over. No, I mean, I think you got to just get some molasses. That's not banned by the NFL, right? That's not a banned no. substance. So Gardner Minshew and the Jacksonville Jaguars getting it done and having some fun. On the other side of it, speaking here with Papa Joe this morning, is the fact that as, as well as the Jaguars have been looking under Gardner Minshew and as many close games as they've been in, I mean, we go back and we look at their losses this season and outside of the game that they gave up at home to the Chiefs, like I said, they lost 13-12 when they elected to go for two at the end of the game. Then they have two wins, and then they lost to the Panthers by a touchdown at the end of regulation, 34-27. to So they played in every single game except for their game against the Chiefs this week, they have the New Orleans Saints and Teddy Bridgewater. Bridge is in good shape. Bridge has been winning games for this team. He's been he's been handling himself with the absence of, of Drew Brees. The team is on a three-game winning streak with Teddy Bridgewater, who's been competing, completing passes left and right. What can you say about Teddy? I mean, this is a guy that was drafted by the Minnesota Vikings. He played for the Louisville Cardinals. I covered him when he was in college at Louisville. A lot of people said he couldn't be a quarterback in the NFL, and now he's on a three-game winning streak. He won in Seattle, one of the toughest places to play. He defeated the Cowboys and now most recently defeated the Buccaneers. What are your thoughts on, on the fact that Teddy Bridgewater is 3-0 and and he's looking pretty good as a passer right now? Well, Teddy Bridgewater is a class act. Uh, you know, I almost cried when I realized how how hurt he got uh, with his leg just being shattered like that and yeah. how, how long the rehab was going to be, well over a year and a half. And, uh, you know, New Orleans took a chance and, and grabbed him, and he's looked really good. The problem with Teddy is obviously he does he's not going to move very well. And if he does, you know, he may take a few hits. So even though I think he's an extraordinary young man, he's a, he's a good passer, I just don't know how much of a good quarterback he's going to be, but he's doing the job, which is which is fine. Say so you winning in Seattle is not easy, so uh, he does have some good targets. He's got a Kamara in the backfield, sort of like Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he can scoot all over the place. So, you know, I'm sure they're simplifying things for Teddy, uh, but you know, Teddy's. Teddy can get hurt, and Teddy's got to watch out for Teddy. So uh, maybe. The Jaguars' defensive uh, rush should come into play here, and I think they, they should be able to handle New Orleans this, this weekend. I, I, I've said, said that before earlier, but I, I really believe that the, the Jaguars' defense are, is going to really pin their ears back and just go right after Teddy. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but it, it's it's a, it's going to be a good game, and uh, Teddy Teddy Bridgewater is a class act, and. I wish him luck, just not this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and that's the thing is people say, hey, I like this guy, just not when he plays my team. So Jacksonville Jaguars and the Saints will be facing off this weekend on October 13th, and they will have that opportunity in Jacksonville at 1 p.m. Eastern time in TIAA Bank Field. With that being said, PJ and I are going to take a step aside. we got plenty to discuss. 
the SEC has shaken things up a little bit, and we have one of those five teams with a loss now. The Gators are still undefeated, and there's more conversation to be had about the other undefeated teams around college football. You are listening live. You're also watching live right here on Facebook.com backslash live now DT. All of it is from inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios. Proud to be hanging out with you and proud that they help to find what fits all of us men out there. No matter what style we're looking for, if you're a bamboo K, Tommy Bahama type of person, if you're looking for Callaway and the golf stuff, if you're looking for relaxed wear and graphic tees and whatnot, Space Jam, new movie coming out with Space Jam, that, the Looney Tunes, you know, comics and stuff like that. Or if you're looking to get a suit, a tuxedo, preparing for a wedding, an anniversary, whatever you have going on, literally from head to toe, from hats to shoes, Charney's has you covered. 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. We're inside of Wake Up Call with Dan Tatora here on October 10th, and Mon Paz Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory brings you what's popping. That's a list of topics for the day, so we're with Papa Joe right now. And in just a little bit, we'll be with Rob Drummond, and we will preview in the second hour as well Syracuse at NC State, the game, the lone game that's on tonight on ESPN at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Thursday night football for Syracuse on the road at NC State coming off a of bye week. Interesting thing about Syracuse and NC State, they're both 3-2 and two overall. They're both 0-1 in the ACC. So whoever wins this game gets out of the basement of the Atlantic Division, and whoever loses this game has put themselves in a little bit of trouble inside of the conference, at least early on. So, with that being said, a lot of implications with tonight's game, and we'll get into that in just a little bit, but it's time to speak with Papa Joe about his Gators. They're still undefeated. There's a lot of undefeated teams that are out there in college football, but it's time to talk about those Gators. Emery Jones, Felipe Franks, who's obviously injured, Kyle Trask, so many guys on this team. Everybody knows what they're, you know, it seems like no matter what string of quarterback you got, you're stringing together some wins right now. What can you say about the way things have been rocking in that beautiful place called Gainesville? Oh, boy, things are really rocking. It's, it, Northeast Florida is very excited. Uh, and I do have to admit, I mean, I did not see them winning the game against Auburn, and that's my bad. I, should, uh, I, should, I shouldn't have done that. But I, I felt in my heart that, that Auburn was just a better offensive and defensive team, and I was wrong. Uh, this this week, I'm not going to be wrong because LSU is a better team, and I'm going to pick LSU. But that's that's I'm not going to worry about that now. Uh, Trask uh, got hurt. Emory Jones came in, whipped the ball around a few places, ran a few times. Trask comes back in, and uh, he didn't miss a beat. He, he's hurt, but he's not he's not incapacitated. So. Uh, you know, and he's not—he's a big guy. You know, he's about maybe six five, two forty. So he's not—he's—he's yeah. he's not easy to bring down. So he's sort of like Roethlisberger standing in a pocket there, and everyone beating themselves up trying to get him. He's—he's—he's uh, he's, he's got a great arm. He's another one that processes information well too. And he's just—you know—he's a fifth-year senior. I mean, he's—he's he's already graduated from college, and uh, other programs wanted him to come to here and there with his transfer everywhere. He says no. He says I'm. I'm staying in Florida because I want to get educated in Florida. I want to stay in Florida and play football. And look where he is. He's got a shot, really. Yeah. If he stays stays healthy and does well, he's got a shot to be a pro. I mean, if the pros don't pick him up, they're stupid. But he's uh, he's he's good, and he's he's got a great head on his shoulder. Uh, Emory Jones is for the, the people around the country that don't much don't know much about him. He was a 
super fast athlete. He was a four-star. I think he was kind of Georgia somewhere, but he is the future of the Gators. I just don't want it to be now because I want to see Trask finish out. But uh, if, if Trask goes down and Emory Jones comes in, you're not going to miss a beat at all. This kid, he reminds me of Jalen Hurts. He's that size, yeah. uh, 6'2", six two, six two, maybe 180, and uh, he's just a big, strong kid. Uh, but they can run. He's got a big arm, big-time arm, and he's uh, he can run. So, you know, the Gators are 6-0. Uh, and oh. I, I, I can't say enough about them. I mean, uh, Todd Grantham came up with a super defensive plan uh, to beat Auburn, and he's going to need a better one now to get LSU because LSU is just spraying the ball all over the field. They're, they're averaging something like 50 points and 500 yards or, of total offense. So it's going to be another, uh, another challenge, but – Florida uh, has really been known over the last maybe 15 years as defensive back university. A lot of a lot of DBs come out of Florida and, and go to the pros, yeah. and so that's that's the same way this time. There's three or four kids back there. One of them is a freshman, and they can all play. But you know, you get you get recruited by these big time schools, as you said earlier. You know, if you if you're not if you're not very good, I mean, if you're good and you can't play for a, a big time school. You can play for other schools. You can start, and that—that's the case here. Uh, most of the colleges in the country are, are 100 men deep, yeah, and they have two and three and four, five strings. So, you know, they're all athletes. You know, I, I do have to admit, finally, uh, after all these weeks, that I do have to admit that the Big Ten actually looks like they—they they could play some football this year. And um, I see Penn State and Wisconsin and Ohio State, and I see that uh, you know they're winning and they're winning with ease and. I'm beginning to think that perhaps maybe one of these teams could make the Final Four playoff. Well, and that's the thing. You know, we look at the undefeated teams. There's a, a lot of good teams that are out there, a lot of good teams that are getting it done. And, you know, we have to look at the fact uh, of, of what we have, you know, and, and I, I want to go to the Big Ten, you know, what we have as far as each conference is undefeated. Ohio State in the East and Penn State in the East are both undefeated. Minnesota and Wisconsin are both undefeated. Minnesota's 5 and 0, Wisconsin's 5 and 0, Penn State's 5 and 0 and Ohio State's 6 and 0 and Ohio State ranked in the top 3, Penn State the top 10, Wisconsin the top 10 as well. And then inside of all this Michigan and Iowa are still ranked in the nation's top 25 and they are each 4 and 1. So it does look like at least how it stands right now, the Big 10 conference is going to send somebody, you know, we would think the likes of Wisconsin or you know, or or Ohio State, but one of the teams that feels like they've been spurned and disrespected, and I don't disagree with them, is Penn State. And Penn State right now is undefeated and pushing. But if we look at their record, top ten in the nation is where they're ranked, but they have not played a ranked team. Their first ranked team that they will play is this Saturday, October twelfth, at Iowa. And so that'll you know either put Iowa at two losses on the season, or it'll give Penn State their first loss. Their ranked teams that they will play are at Iowa and then next week at home against Michigan, and then they won't play a ranked team until they go at Ohio State if all things stay the same. So they got some big games coming up. We know that they're going to be tested at Iowa, Michigan at home, at Michigan State. If Minnesota's still undefeated at Minnesota, we know Indiana's got a good running back from from Syracuse area and Stevie Scott at Ohio State. And then Rutgers is, you know, a game they're supposed to bowl over. But, you know, we're looking at a, a team ranked in the top 10 that's going to get tested. What do you think about Penn State right now? Oh, you know, I think they got a marginal chance. They got a good offense. 
fair defense. But you're right in stating they haven't really played anyone to be tested. Yeah. That doesn't mean they're not a good football team. Uh, uh, that that conference is going to come down to Wisconsin and Ohio State. Just the way I always talk about the SEC, you know, two teams are going to be in the in the Final Four. It's conceivable that two teams from the Big Ten could be in the Final Four, too. So I'm not dispu- disputing that fact anymore. So, And, of course, my bros up in Milwaukee uh, are all wolfing down uh, Wisconsin, and they should be yeah. because they got an unbelievable running back. He's, he's probably going to set the all-time record for most yards in college. Uh, he's great running back, and you, you, just can't, you can't stop Wisconsin – or Ohio State, you can stop Penn State. Wisconsin and Ohio State just got too many, got too many weapons, and uh, we'll see. Uh, there's still a lot of football to be played in the SEC. There's, you know, there's now they're going to start beating each other up. You know, this game against like Florida and LSU is, uh, it's going to go a long way. Is who's going to determine wh- who's going to do what? You know, Florida plays South Carolina next week, which is not a uh, an easy game, and then Georgia. So. Well, it takes your breath away, all these teams that wind up beating each other, and that that goes for the same in the Big Ten. So it's conceivable, as I stated, that either two Big Ten teams or two SEC teams are going to be in the Final Four. Yeah, you know, we're we're looking at the fact that in the SEC, to bounce over there, the Florida Gators are currently at the top in the East at 6-0, 3-0 in the conference of the SEC. They are ahead of Georgia right now, who's 5-0. And Alabama and LSU are both 5-0, Alabama 2-0 in the conference. So this game this weekend between Florida and LSU is a big-time implication of where things are going to be because LSU's chomping on the heels of Alabama, and Florida is currently above Georgia in the SEC. So this could have an implication in week number seven that could last all the way to the final week and affect everything this week to circle could really state where LSU and Florida are going to end up because of the fact that they are right there with Georgia and Alabama, who we're used to seeing in recent history, not only in the SEC playing well, but in the college football playoff. Yeah, you're right, and going to be a heck of a game. It, uh, I do think LSU's got, got the edge. I believe that uh, their defense really hasn't been t- tested that much, and they stated earlier Todd Grantham is going to come up with a good scheme to beat Burrow, uh, Burrow's another big, tall, tough guy, and he's got some he's got some wide receivers that can fly too, just like Alabama. So, you know, it's going to be a great game to watch. Absolutely. As we look at these Gators get set to take on LSU, that game will be this weekend. It'll be Saturday, October twelfth, and that game will be played at eight p.m. Eastern time on ESPN. So, hopefully, you all will be watching uh, Florida at LSU. I will be with PJ watching this game on television. Papa Joe, what what are we getting set for? Are you going to stay up with me and watch this game? Uh, I'm going to have to, I guess. You know, I, us old people go to bed early. You know, after I've watched a couple episodes of Designator Survivor, I'm I'm toast. So, yeah. but I I will at least I'll, at least I'll make halftime. So we'll see. And and let me take a little side note here. I told you to watch Designated Survivor for the last two years let's say and you finally got on it and netflix bought a season three so you got you got three seasons to go through and you're in the second season was i right to tell you to watch the show can i get some credit for that oh uh, big kudos <laughs> to you we watched the first 
three or four episodes and we realized that we were going to be hooked on it. So uh, Mary T's happy about it. So if Mary T's happy, we watch it. I gave you Big Brother and I gave you Designated Survivors. Oh, don't give me that Big Brother <laughs> jump. Oh my goodness gracious. What did Mary say? It's banal. It's banal yeah. is what she said. So okay, with that... With that being said, we're going to do some of our predictions here as we go through our unbeatens. We're going to kind of tag team it. So you have Florida losing to LSU on the road. Yeah, I do. I, I, I think that LSU is a better offensive team, certainly. And if Florida's defense isn't up to the task, I think it, it, they could score many, many, many points. Uh, I just, you know, I hate to go against my alma mater, but it's, it's hard. I mean, LSU... Uh, you know, you, you go back a long way with Ed Ogeron. He's 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 an old style coach. He's a three yards in a cloud of dust guy. He's got a strong give me the strong defense and a tough running game. Yeah. Well, he's he's morphed into an offensive genius here from the guy he stole from the New Orleans Saints. And you know, LSU's got the athletes and they're flying all over the field. So, you know, I do think that LSU wins. Well, you know, I, I, I went against them with the Auburn game, and I thought that, you know, I, I thought that Auburn was going to have too much offense, and, and they obviously held them down and did some great things with it. So I'm not going to make the same mistake twice. I am picking your Gators to win the game at LSU. So you're going against the Gators. I'm going with the Gators in this one. I'm picking the Gators to win. I believe that they are going to be 7 and oh, and they're going to make this very difficult on the committee and very difficult on Georgia as we move forward here. So as we look at that, I do want to get into some more of these matchups. And I do want to give some credit to Appalachian State, uh, Eli Drinkwitz. Eli Drinkwitz was the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for NC State for three seasons. He is now the head coach that's taken over. And at Appalachian State, and Appalachian State obviously had a good coach. They had a lot of success. And with him taking over, they have not missed a beat. This team has been tremendous, and they're still undefeated. So I do want to make a note on here. There's a lot of undefeated still left in the country, and Appalachian State's one of them. The Mountaineers are 5-0, and 2-0 and in the Sun Belt, and they will have a game against Louisiana Monroe. And guess what? Louisiana Monroe went into Florida State, and Florida State barely beat them by one point in overtime. So a good game here and a good team that they'll go up against. Just want to show some love for Appalachian State as as we move forward here. But to look at the rest of the schedule, PJ, uh, we have a game tonight between Syracuse and NC State. Like I said, they both have the same overall record. They are both 3-2. and two. They're both 0-1 looking for their first win in the ACC. And they're both in the same division. So this game has a lot of implications on where the teams are going to end up. And one of them will leapfrog the other. If Syracuse is to win, they'll be in better shape. And NC State, NC State, if they win, then obviously they'll have a leg up on Syracuse. What are your thoughts on this game that will be played in Raleigh, North Carolina? Uh, I think that NC State blew it last week when they played Florida State. Um, they, they had a chance to win that game. Uh, I do th- I do think Syracuse going you know wins the game. I think they have better athletes. They're faster, uh, tougher defense. I think Devito's going to shine. So I'm looking for Syracuse to win this game. You know I, I think that this game is really difficult, and uh, the reason why is that you know Syracuse is in a place right now where they're still discovering themselves, and NC State is has been in a place where you know they've had some success, 
and whatnot, but they've also struggled. They're three and two, like I said, this year. They lost to Florida State, who's not a good team. They lost to West Virginia on the road, who has done some good things. And they're going to be starting a new quarterback. Bailey Hockman will start this week, and uh, and they're going to be in that situation. Former starter Matthew McKay is the third stringer. So they will be starting a new quarterback this week, which leaves it kind of open to what it's going to be and what they're going to do. You know, I, I think that NC State obviously gives some trouble to Syracuse. I think that they're a better team than people give them credit for. I think Dave Dorn's a better coach than people give him credit for. But with starting a new quarterback, I think that you know Syracuse is going to have an opportunity to go in and win. My only question is, how is Tommy DeVito going to handle the road? We know that he struggled on the road. He defeated Liberty, but the offense didn't look good. And then they blew up against Maryland and really didn't have anything going in that game. So where they'll go in this one is obviously going to state where the team is at currently at this point in the season. I don't think it's going to be an easy game. I do think that they're going to be tested. I do think that this may be a difficult one for them to squeak out. But with a quarterback that's making his start in Hockman, I think that I'll give the nod to Syracuse by a slight edge, but I don't think it's going to be easy. Yeah, that's good. So with the next one coming up here, PJ, uh, next one in the schedule that we got to look at. So that game is tonight. Uh, Virginia, it'll be on the road at Miami. Miami's been all over the place. They're playing on Friday, October 11th at 8 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN. ACC's got some big-time games on ESPN the next few days and uh, primetime games. Virginia is currently in a great situation. They're in a situation that I thought that they would be in, which is leading the Coastal Division. They are currently 4-1 and one overall. They're 2-0 two and, two and oh in the ACC. Does Miami pose any threat to Virginia with Miami playing at home? Miami has really disappointed me so far. Uh, they didn't look good the opening game against Florida, but really neither team looked very good. But I thought Miami was really going to be a good team. Miami is, is saddled with some quarterback problems, too. Uh, there's a really, really good quarterback named Tate Martell, who I, who I think he played for, or he was on a roster at Oklahoma State and then decided to transfer out. At Ohio not, State, yeah, at Ohio. Yeah, they're not even using him at Miami. So I don't know what the problem is, but he's a super dynamic five-star dual-threat quarterback. I don't know what the problem is, but uh, Virginia looks tough. Uh, Virginia should handle Miami, and I'm looking for the coaches down there to wake up and say, give Martell a chance to play ball here. But uh, Virginia should win this game. Well, and that was the thing is he, he was given an automatic opportunity to play right away, which I, which I found to be really interesting because normally – you don't get that opportunity to play right away. So with that being said, he was he was given a clearance, speaking of Tate Martell, and having that clearance, you would think that he was going to be out there, but he has not been out there. And so I got Virginia in this game as well. I think Virginia is going to do more than enough to win this matchup, and I feel good about where they stand in the grand scheme of things. They're a good team. They're a strong team. And Bronco Mendenhall needed a little bit of time, and they were able to give it to him. Virginia believed in his process which is something that was nice to see. And now we're in a situation where we can see him move forward and have some success. I think they win this game. The next one for us to look at is Oklahoma at Texas. Oklahoma and Texas will play at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, Texas. If we look at the records and the standings right now in the Big 12, Oklahoma is currently 5-0, and and Texas is 4-1. and Both of them are 2-0 and in the conference, so this will be the first loss in the Big 12 for one of these teams. Who's winning this one? This is To me, I got this game as a pick uh, because of Texas being at home. 
Uh, Ellinger for them has just been sensational, throwing the ball all over the place, finding receivers. Oklahoma, we know uh, what they have. Jalen Hurts is probably leading the race for the uh, Heisman Trophy. Uh, this, this is this is going to be a harder game than people think it is. Uh, with Texas being at home, I'm going to go out on a limp here. I think Texas can beat Oklahoma if they can get to Hurts. But, you know, getting to Hurts is one thing. Tackling him is another. He's a, he's a strong guy. He's got running ability, even though he doesn't use it as much as uh, inside the pocket. So uh, I, I look I look for an upset here. I really like Texas in this game. Yeah, you know, I think that this is going to be an interesting game. You know, Texas has obviously done some good things uh, with Tom Herman and, and found some success. And, and overall, you know, this season they haven't played a ranked team that they've beaten. They did lose to LSU 45-38 to in a very, very close game. But I'm going to lean on the other side of it. I think that the Big 12 right now, you know, their bell cow is is Oklahoma. And I think that Oklahoma is going to get another victory. I think that they're going to continue to separate themselves and put themselves in a good position. I think they're the best bet for us to see a Big 12 team in the college football playoff this year. So I'm going to lean on them for this. I think that they're going to make it tough on the committee to make decisions with the Big 10 playing well as well as the SEC doing what it does. And obviously, Clemson needs to show itself a little bit better, but they've done some good things and they continue to have successes and they've remained undefeated. It's just the fact that they've played a very close game recently here against North Carolina that's put them in a little bit of a, not I don't want to call it rough footing, but a little bit of a, a situation. Memphis is undefeated. They're going to be playing this Saturday. They're number 23 in the nation. They're 5-0. and They're going to be at Temple. Temple's been playing spoiler to teams this year. Temple is 4-1. and They know how to spoil games against Navy and games, you know, they've they played uh, Notre Dame tough. And they obviously a couple years ago against Penn State had a great showing. So, you know, this is a team that no matter who their head coach is in the last six, seven years, they've been competitive. Memphis at Temple, and typically going to Temple is dangerous too. They're going to be in Philadelphia. Any any chance that there might be an issue here? You know, I was leaning toward Memphis earlier in the week, and the more I read a little bit more, uh, I, I like Temple a lot. Uh, I do believe uh, T- Temple being at home probably gives them a little bit of an edge. This is I had this a, as a pick'em game too, uh, but I like Temple. Yeah, I'm going to go with Temple in this game as well. I think that Temple's got, you know, they got something here, something that, that's that's been put into the culture of these players. Like I said, no matter who their head coach is, they find a way to get it done. They find a way to be successful. So I'm going to lean on Temple in this matchup, and I think that they're going to get the victory in this as well as Memphis will get their first loss of the season. Alabama will be visiting Jimbo Fisher on CBS, Alabama number one, Texas A&M number 24. Thoughts on Alabama and Texas A&M? Ah, uh, uh, Jimbo, ah, uh, Jimbo, that you talking about? <laughs> yes, Mrs. Well, Jimbo. uh, Jimbo's going to have a game plan, that's for sure. I mean, he's he's an unorthodox kind of coach, and I think he'll probably come up with some weird formations, and he's going to try He's going to try to outscore Alabama. That's the only way you're going to beat him. Uh, Alabama's defense is, is, I can't say they're down, but they're hurting a little bit. They're playing actually four freshmen in their in their first 11 guys on the defense. And again, but if you're a freshman going to Alabama, you can play. So yeah. I look for I look for Alabama to take control of the game. I think Tua is going to do her thing. You know, he and Hertz are in a battle for the Heisman Trophy. And Tua is an it's amazing prospect. He's just he does he's another guy that just doesn't get rattled. I mean, he's uh. He's got a weird throwing motion. I mean, but he's 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 a lefty, 
you know, not too many lefties that I remember except for Kent Stabler. Uh, but I think that uh, I think this is a good game. This is really, really, really going to be a good game. But I like uh, I like Alabama. Absolutely, and a couple more games here: Florida State at Clemson. Thoughts on Florida State? Which I mean, obviously, with Willie Taggart has been all over the place. They just defeated NC State. They defeated Louisville. They're on a two-game winning streak. They're three and two overall. So they like Syracuse and NC State in the Atlantic Division of the ACC are three and two overall. They're going to visit Clemson, and Clemson is coming off of that game against North Carolina that they barely won, twenty-one to twenty. And it wasn't a game where Clemson was in a position where. You know, if you go back and you look at this game, <clears throat> it wasn't something where Clemson made the comeback. This was a Jacksonville Jaguars type of feel to this one. I'll tell you why. Javante Williams had a touchdown run for North Carolina that made it 21-20, and Mac Brown elected to go for two, just like Jacksonville did when they were on the road at Houston, and they lost the game by a point. So this was not Clemson coming back in the game. This was North Carolina not con- not converting a two-point conversion, or else they would have won this game because they went for the win instead of going to overtime. So, you know, that's that's a little alert here as Mac Brown's got North Carolina feeling good, and I don't think that Death Valley's feeling tremendous after their game at North Carolina that's just been sitting there on their minds. So Florida State at Clemson, any thoughts on this one? Well, you know, you, you give uh... – Debo Sweeney, a, a week to think about FSU, and he's going to come up with some serious game plans. FSU, uh, in my opinion, has actually got a chance to play for a bowl this year. I think they can get the six wins, but this isn't going to be one of them. No, and I think Clemson's going to bounce back as well. I don't know if Clemson is as well protected. I, I think that, you know, there's obviously some weakness that gets exposed. I mean, Syracuse exposed some weaknesses with them last year. And Texas A&M had exposed some weaknesses, but they were able to bounce back from it and obviously win a championship. So, I mean, this is a team that's led by a coach who knows exactly what he's doing, and he knows how to ad-lib on the fly. Basically, whether it's a football game or the zombie apocalypse, I want Dabo Sweeney on my team. So, with that being said, the Baylor Bears, uh, Matt Rule, who I had at Temple, another successful coach that was at Temple, he went to Baylor and took over a program that was all kinds of crazy. They were 1-11 in his first season, 7-6 and six last year. They went to the Texas Bowl and won it, so only a second season went to a bowl game, had a winning record. They've started off this season of 2019 in the Big 12 at 5-0. and oh. They will be hosting Texas Tech. Thoughts on this game? Uh, this is a this is a big time Baylor win here. Uh, Baylor is really surprising a lot of people around the country and all the pundits do. Uh, but you're right, Rule's done a great job over there. there there's no reason they should uh, should. There's no hiccup here with Texas Tech, even though Texas Tech can put up some points. I think Baylor's a superior team. Yeah, I'm going to pick Baylor in this one as well. I got Baylor winning the game, and congrats to Matt Rule. I always felt he would be successful and always appreciated his time, and I'm happy to say that I believe he will be 6-0 and at the end of this weekend. Uh, last couple games to look at here. I'm going to pick two games. We already talked about Florida at LSU, so the last two games I want to ask you about, Penn State at Iowa. Like I said, this is the first-ranked team that Penn State's played, even though Penn State's ranked in the top 10. What do you think about this one? Don't like Penn State too much. Uh, I, I stated it earlier. I just don't know. I don't know enough about them. They don't. They don't. They haven't played anyone. You're right. And I think they lose this game. I think they lose this game. 
You know, Iowa's been in a situation where they've been trying to prove themselves this season. And when Iowa State got college game day for the first time ever in week three of this season, that's when, you know, Iowa went in there and won that game and basically told Iowa State, this is the first time you got it, might be the last time you get it, but we're happy to have you in the state of Iowa. So I'm going to go ahead and pick Iowa in this game as well. I believe that Iowa's got something to prove. They're, they want to get into a good bowl game. They're not going to get into the college football playoff, but they want to be in one of those New Year's Six, and I think that this is one of those games they got to win to showcase it. Last game on NBC, 7.30 p.m. this Saturday, USC at Notre Dame. Notre Dame right now, can we look at USC? USC is 3-2. and two. They've defeated ranked Stanford at the time, ranked Utah at the time, but lost to Washington. Notre Dame is ranked in the nation's top 10. Notre Dame is 4-1. and one. They defeated Louisville on the road. They defeated New Mexico, and they lost to Georgia and have defeated Virginia for Virginia's only loss of the season and then blew out Bowling Green. So they've been tested somewhat, really only by Virginia. and I mean, they had Virginia and Georgia back-to-back. But the games that they won, Bowling Green and New Mexico and at Louisville, to be expected. What are your thoughts on USC at Notre Dame? Well, I think Notre Dame has played their way out of the uh, the consensus top four. I don't think they got a chance of reaching it. However, they're probably going to get a good bowl game, maybe lose one or two games. Uh, I think that they, I think they win this game against USC easily, uh, and they'll, they'll probably put some pressure on uh, the people that make decisions later on, but. I don't think that they have a chance to to play for a national champion. So they'll they're usually either ten one or eleven two, whatever you know. So, uh, but Notre Dame wins this game, I think. Yeah, I'm going to go with Notre Dame in this matchup as well. I think you know, as as fun as it would be for USC to create some confusion and some strife here, I think that ultimately Notre Dame is going to get the victory, <clears throat> and they'll have that victory at home in front of their fans. So, uh, big time there for that. So much going on, so much to talk about. PJ and I will continue the conversation next week and throughout the beautiful, wonderful football season. As always, Papa Joe, I appreciate your time. Okay, Daniel, have a fun and uh, be careful getting down here now. I definitely will. I look forward bye. to seeing you soon. All right, bye. Take care.